Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Women's Rugby Show weekly podcast with me, Sam, by the way. Here in episode two, we'll be discussing the start of WX3 2 and 3, which opening rounds took place over the weekend that's just gone. We'll be looking to head to those second rounds, but also the start of WX3 1, which kickstarts on Friday when the Red Roses take on Australia. We'll be touching on the Allianz Cup, where we hear from Delaney Burns of Bristol Bears to discuss their start to the season. We'll be talking all things Championship Rugby with a couple of members of the Kenilworth side who beat Worcester at the weekend. And we'll also be discussing all things books, Women's National League with Hart Priest, Abby Lee, Priestnell. Before we get into this episode, though, if you listen to this on Instagram, make sure you head over to Spotify where you can download the episode and listen to it on the go. If you listen to us on Spotify, make sure you check us out across all social medias, Instagram, X, Facebook, TikTok, where we have all sorts of other content, graphics, interviews and all things women's rugby using the app, the Women's Rugby Show. Let's get into this one so we can talk, talk all things women's rugby. I know me in the past there will have just said, let's get into this episode, but unfortunately the rest of this episode was filmed before the sad news of Warriors women owners Cube International announcing the intention to withdraw the side from the PWR and the Allianz Cup, meaning the gay, their game against the Bristol Bears this weekend, which we discussed briefly with Delaney, um, has been cancelled. Um, just all our thoughts from everyone at the Women's Rugby Show is with the Warriors women, their players and staff at this difficult time and hope for their sakes, everything gets sorted in the future for their playing future or their coaching future, their working future, and that the club are about playing in the near future. So round one of WXV 2 and 3 kind of didn't throw off any upsets. Obviously, Italy beat Japan 28-15, Scotland beat South Africa 31-17, and USA beat Samoa 36-26 in WXV2. In WXV3, there were wins for Fiji, 67-13 over Colombia, Ireland comprehensively 109-0 over Kazakhstan, and Spain winning 32-0 over Kenya. Obviously, not many shocks there. A couple of those games, as we spoke with Alicia last week, where teams playing each other for the first time, Scotland playing South Africa for the first time in a couple of years, USA playing Samoa, and I think None of them kind of went to against form, obviously, apart from Japan, who did beat Italy heading into this tournament. So kind of a bit of a revenge plot from Italy there. But what kind of impressed me, just a couple of things to list off before we head into what we hear from Scotland, a couple of Scotland players. Warren Skeldon scoring two tries for the Scots against a really powerful South African pack. I think lots of what they spoke about last week and spoke about since Scotland is how impressive that South African pack wasn't on their firepower and for Lana Skeldon to get across for two tries really impressive also in WXV2 Samoa putting up a massive fight against the USA I think if things had gone slightly more their way they would have come away with a result there and for a team like Samoa who do not play many test matches I think just their 17th since the 2014 Rugby World Cup it's ridiculously impressive to put that much of a fight against the USA side who so many of them play in England, so many of them play in Prem 15s, they play regularly, look at Kate Zachary, she's one of the best players in the world, and the Samoa side, you haven't played barely any test matches since 2014, they put up so much of a fight against them. Also, Salita Faisaga, the flanker for, for Fiji, in W3-3 against Colombia, really impressive performance, I was really impressed with her, I wish that's the game I kind of focused on, because I was writing for much proper World Rugby for that on Friday, but I think she was really impressive, actually, I think the way she handled herself in that back row. Columbia did pop a lot of a fight against Fiji in the pack. So the way she handled herself, the way she played in that game was really impressive. Also in WX3, we can't not touch on Ireland's 
performance against Kazakhstan. Eve Higgins and Vivian Parsons, four tries. Having Parsons coming back into the island side after being away with sevens for so long, such a difference. She was brilliant when she first burst onto the scene in 15s. She's been brilliant in sevens, and now she's coming back in, scoring first four tries on the kind of return as well. So I think that's just such a positive for Ireland rugby heading forward, heading forward into the rest of this tournament, but also the next Six Nations in the qualifying for 2025. Having people like her, having the rest of the returning sevens players, is just so vital. And finally, kind of another thing that impressed me with Kenya against Spain in WXV2, three, sorry. Um, Spain have been a side who've been touching on those Six Nations side for so long. They were in that heading way back, but Kenya do not play much women's rugby. They do not play many test matches. And this is exactly why we have WX3-3, but they put up such a fight against Spain. I actually think Spain should have done a lot better in that game, but they were just stifled by Kenya. Kenya didn't allow them to play the attacking rugby they wanted to. They didn't allow them to get much territory, much possession. I think Kenya was dominating the possession stats for much of that game. So it's just testament to what they did in that, that Spain struggled and Spain struggled to put the points. Obviously, 32 nil and they did nil nil Kenya but the way Kenya played and applied themselves in that game was really impressive and kind of positives heading forward into the rest of their games in WX3 and also the rest of their women's game heading forward and a couple of takeaways kind of which go along with this um it's just how vital WX3 is to grow in the playing time obviously Ireland was Kazakhstan's 10th test since 2014 the 2014 World Cup and then Samoa's 17th test since the 2014 World Cup. And just to compare that with England, 10 tests ago for England was the win against Australia in the Rugby World Cup quarterfinal in October 2022. And 17 tests ago for England was also in 2022 against Ireland in the Six Nations. And for another team to go back nearly 10 years for their 10th and 17th test and just to put up such a fight in Samoa's um, case is just ridiculous. And just this is what's so... why. The WXV is so important. So these teams do get these regular test matches against uh, different opponents. Obviously, teams playing Ireland who are a brilliant team. They just had those struggles in recent years. But to have re- um, so many test matches regularly against quality opposition is just so vital for these teams' development and the development of women's rugby in these areas. And also, for Kenya, that was just their second ever test against a non-African side again just how important it is to play differing opposition because there's only so much you can learn playing the same team over and over again. I think I've looked up, I think they played Uganda 24 times compared to everybody else, which is just mental when you look at how they've only played. Sorry, that was just their second ever European, second ever non-African side, but first European side actually with um, the other being Colombia in a Rugby World Cup qualifier for 2022. But I would say, obviously, that is the round of two and three. Um, we listen to a couple of the Scotland players, chat to a couple of Scotland players before this, um, Rachel McLaughlin, assistant coach Martin Hag, and also Emma Vassell just to talk about the opening round and also heading into playing USA on the weekend. Just a quick one from me. Obviously, you were with the USA during that um, game back last year before the World Cup. And we've kind of touched on it, but what were you kind of impressed with from the Scotland side from that game and then what's kind of brought on since then? Um, well, I'm no longer with the USA. Mm. So, you know, I've just been really impressed with the Scotland team. I mean, they, you know, they they had a 
a good team back then and we've I think we've added to that you know in terms of the defense in terms of the attack I think there's a lot of new new faces in that Scotland team back then who have now got more experience under their belt um, and really starting to flourish some of the young players in particular um, and I think that bodes well for the future so you know my uh, my focus is really on this Scotland team and making sure that that we we can be the best that we can be and and um you know, whether that's attack, whether it's defence, whether it's set piece. And, you know, we've got a good coaching group who discuss things. We've also got some, you know, the, the players discuss things as well in terms of how we can get better. So that for me is is really, uh, really the important thing. You know, we, it's easy to, when you win a game, to get ahead of yourselves. And, and it's really easy when you lose a game to get too down on yourself. So we're trying to stay level, looking at some of the good things and looking at some of the things that we can keep improving. And, um, you know, the more time that this team spends together, this squad spends together, hopefully we'll see um, even better results and, and even better performances. And just how important is it a tournament like WXV to have that more game time for those younger players? Oh, I think it's fun. It's a fantastic tournament so far. I mean, it's, you know, being in South Africa, we're, we're really lucky um, as well with the weather. But just, again, the, the young players have an exposure against different teams because often you, you know, six nations, you play against France, you play against England, you play against Ireland, playing against Wales. We're now playing against different styles of rugby. Uh, some teams are more physical. Some teams are, you know, harder defensively. Some teams like to run the ball all over the place. So exposing our players to different types and different styles of rugby, uh, I think, and how they how they problem solve and adapt on the field is really important for us as we try and keep improving and, and close that gap on on the tier one nations. Sharks teammates, the Scotland squad's got quite a few in it as well. Just how nice is kind of film familiarity within your own team, but also when you're playing against another nation as well. Yeah, it's really cool, and I think you know it, you touched on it, like playing with these girls at club, and then playing against them is is it's strange because you know they're your good friends, but I I think it's great, and I think it's great to you know get the experience that they have and and bring that into club, and then vice versa, and kind of getting to play against them is yeah, it's really really cool. It's you know it's not always fun when you um somebody has to win or lose, but yeah, it's cool, especially after you get a wee photo or pint or something like that it's cool does it help at all kind of knowing what they may be able to do say if you look at katana howard playing at 12 you know what she may be able to do off the ball and stuff like that uh yeah i think it's good to have an insight um i think obviously we kind of just focus on ourselves um i think you know there's a lot of great players but we just got have to kind of implement what we want to do um so yeah it's, it's good to have the insight but i think at the end of the day we we do what we want to do and just how much are you enjoy in South Africa and kind of the WXV experience so far? Oh, massively, yeah. Like it's it's really really cool. Um, just to be away with like everyone and and training in a different environment. You know, it's very hot, but that's also like a different kind of challenge that that we face as well, which is cool. Much better than than put the pouring rain. So, um, but yeah, like really enjoying it. I think everyone's gelling so well, and we're just having a good time. And and I know we say it a lot, but we're all friends here. We are genuinely best friends and what better place to be playing rugby than South Africa with your mates? Like, yeah, can't complain. And just finally for me, how have you been kind of acclimatising to the heat? Obviously you mentioned it's so much hotter than it is back in the UK, but how have you been acclimatising to it out there? Do you know, I actually think it's not been too bad. Like it, it's what, around like 25, 26. 
So, you know, a lot of us have played sevens, a lot of us have, uh, we've played in South Africa before. So I think you kind of, the more you play these games and play these tournaments in these countries, like you just kind of get used to it. Um, You know, you can do sauna work, we've done that before. But yeah, I think actually everyone's just coping well with it. You played USA kind of just over a year ago in those Rugby World Cup warm-ups. Just how do you feel the Scotland team has changed since then? And also, how do you feel like you, got you as an individual have changed since then? Uh, I think oh, as the team, I think we've obviously got a fair few more games under our belts. But I think actually, again, I would say the, the depth in our squad and the the competition there is. I think during the Six Nations, there was a lot of experienced players missing. We obviously didn't have Rona Lloyd through sevens. Tom only played a few of the games. Um, I I wasn't available. Sarah Bonner wasn't available. Um, yeah, there was a lot of girls that you would have thought at one point in, in Scotland's history that would have maybe been a bit of a panic moment. But actually it allowed all the girls that have been trained hard to kind of push on and progress. And I just think having that, having they've had that experience, they obviously got two really good wins in the Six Nations. It's now just meant like even with us coming back in, um, yeah, the there's just a real like a good pressure on ourselves actually to be better and we should be better and that's in in training as as well as obviously games at the weekend and I think that's why yeah there was just a weird feeling of not not disappointment I was absolutely buzzing with the win but we just knew we didn't get some things right there and and, and defensively and in attack we just had set a higher standard of ourselves, and I don't think we we really did reach that so I think that's something coming the USA game that we really want to put right in terms of what we expect from ourselves um but yeah individually I think perspective in terms of like in the whole nine years I've played for Scotland I am I've never missed a camp like I've just always been involved I've always kind of just been in about the squad seeing what's happening and I obviously did miss one game um last two six nations ago which was like the first in in fifth four which I thought was the end of the world obviously but realistically I was still in camp I got to play the next game so this was the first time I've been completely away from it I was watching almost as as a fan um so being able to see that and knowing like I couldn't play I think the drive I felt and actually how hard I felt like I needed to work to be able to get to where they were because I they just they pushed on even when I was was out um and yeah I just think they're just a real commitment to to try be better and it it has I maybe I probably took for granted sometimes like starting for Scotland because I I was fortunate enough to have started like many caps in a row whereas now like it is very much about like earning that kind of spot and like just super grateful to actually be in amongst the squad and training with them. Um, and yeah, it's just an absolute bonus to, to be back on the pitch. So yeah, just loving being back. This as Rachel Emma have said there, um, just how important it is this Scotland game for themselves this weekend. I think it is, you could, the way you could look at it, it is a potential for the XV2 decided with the way the draw works, Scotland don't play Italy and the USA do play Italy. So I think getting a win over the USA would be vital for them. Scotland's kind of 
credentials of winning WXV2, but just to look at the results and W or the fixtures to come in WXV2 this weekend, USA take on Scotland, Italy take on South Africa, and Japan take on Samoa. Just to predict a few of these, because that's what we're going to do for every game in WXV this weekend. I think Scotland are going to beat the USA. I do think they just have that quality now. I think the depth as well, like we they've been mentioning the players in the last couple of weeks, that depth is now there. The quality of competition is now there. And I think they're playing USA at the right time. The USA are in kind of in that transition period. I think despite only ever beating the USA once and with the last meeting coming last year, as we mentioned before, just how much Scotland have developed in that time, I think they're going to take the victory. I think Italy are going to beat South Africa. Again, a team that's only played each other once. But I do think Italy are going to be too strong for South Africa despite the forward size and power that South Africa have, even in the back. People like Cesar Hele is just world-class almost, and she's playing in a team that doesn't play that much international rugby. Give her game time in the Premier 15s, PWR, which is going to happen, then she's just going to be such a quality competitor and it's going to be so vital for South Africa heading forward. But I do think Italy will have a little bit too much for them. And finally, in WXV2, Japan against Samoa again, only one meet, and this was way back in 2000 as well. Another team that just don't play each other often. And I do think Japan will just edge it. I think Samoa were brilliant against the USA. But I do think Japan just going to have that skill and pace, something that will just get past Samoa, get around the edges of Samoa and just be a little bit too much for them on the day. Heading into WXV3 and another three games there, Kazakhstan against Kenya, Spain against Fiji and Ireland against Colombia. And all three of these teams have actually never, all three of these games have actually never met before. And a couple of facts against them before we get into my predictions. Kazakhstan against Kenya. Kazakhstan become just the eighth side to face Kenya. Spain against Fiji and Spain become the third European side to face Fiji after France and England at last year's World Cup. And also Ireland against Colombia. And Ireland are just the seventh nation to face Colombia. This just all goes back to what we were saying before about what the opportunities WX3 is providing, especially in WX3 for these teams who don't play often or don't compete against differing teams often. But my predictions for this one, I do think Kenya are going to beat Kazakhstan. I think I was really impressed with Kenya last weekend, like I said before. And I just think they're going to have a little bit too much for Kazakhstan. I think they're going to be a little bit too wily and street smart and rugby smart for them. I think Fiji are going to beat Spain. I do think I was really impressed with Fiji against Colombia and I wasn't particularly impressed with Spain against um, Kenya. So I do think that Fiji are just going to edge that one. I was really impressed with them against England in the World Cup last year and also South Africa and France in the World Cup last year. I think they've improved so much from the opening game of that World Cup as well. So I think they're going to edge it against Spain. I do think how they're going to beat Colombia. I think they're going to have too much quality again. They obviously, they are a Six Nations team playing in this lowest ranked competition. I think they're going to, probably do will go on and win the whole thing without losing the game. But I do think this is so vital for them. The the way they've been treated by their union, this is why they are in this competition. And I think it's only fair that they have to win them, beat them, um win their way out of it. So I think it's only fair. And I think the way they go about it, doing it so impressively, is just going to help them going forward. And finally, WXV1 starts this weekend. And England have named their team already, with that being on Tuesday, as we speak, um, with Elaveras making a first start in an England shirt scrum half. There's a new centre partnership in the centres, obviously, with Tatiana Heard and Megan Jones starting for the first time together. In Loughborough's Daisy Hibbert-Jones will make a debut off the bench, which you get on. I think 
Daisy coming on for her debut will be massive. I think she's been really impressive when she was at Sale and she also grew that on through her time at Loughborough last season. I think making a step away from Sale has kind of helped the develop as a player even more, despite that's not a criticism of Sale at all because you can see how much they develop players. But I think she's been brilliant since from Sale and all the, all the way through at Loughborough last season as well. But the three games in WXV1 this weekend, England take on Australia on Friday. Canada play Wales and New Zealand play France on Saturday. And predictions-wise for these ones, I think some of them are quite self-explanatory. I think England will beat Australia. I think it is a slightly rotated England team with Sarah Byrne missing out, Ellie Kildun missing out, um, Owen Italing missing out and a couple of other faces. But I think England have never lost to Australia and I don't think that's going to change. This weekend, Canada playing Wales. I think Canada are going to take that one. Canada were miles better than Wales in their Rugby World Cup warm-up last season, but this isn't saying Wales haven't improved since then because they have improved no end, but I do think Canada still have that quality over them. If you look the way they played against the Red Roses at the Stonex a few weeks ago, when they ran England close despite being down to 14 plays after Gabby sensed red card, I just think they're going to have too much quality for Wales. But I do think Wales are going to impress this tournament despite maybe not getting the results that they'll be after. I think their performances and their play is going to really shine. But I do not worry about the results they're going to get, but I think there's a potential for their results not to show what the performance deserves, does that make sense? And then New Zealand take on France in the final game of the weekend. I think a repeat of last year's Rugby World Cup semi-final, which if anyone was there, it was one of the best atmospheres of a rugby game ever I've been to. And it was just one of the best games of rugby I've seen for a while. Caroline drew on missing that last minute kick, which would have sent France through to a World Cup final and not New Zealand. Just imagine how different the women's rugby landscape could be right now if that had happened. But... It's going to be a tight one. I think both teams are so evenly matched. I do think, same with England, I think those three are just so evenly matched at the top of the women's rugby game. It's going to be so tight. It's really actually almost too close to call. But if you look at the way in the in the past, New Zealand have dominated the results. France was winning four times against New Zealand. But it's honestly too close to call. But I do think New Zealand, I think having spent a lot of time together this year with Pat Four and Laurie O'Reilly, playing together in Super Rugby RP, key, far apart from a cup. I think that's going to have a little bit too much for France, but it's going to be ridiculously tight. Make sure you let us know what you think about these predictions. Away from WXV, two and three in South Africa and Dubai, the Allianz Cup back here in England was still playing, taking place this past weekend. And I think there were a couple of big wins over the weekend for a couple of teams. Bristol comprehensively beating Leicester, Warriors coming away with a massive victory over Sale Sharks women, and Loughborough Lightning heading to the stoop and beating Harlequins, who were unbeaten heading into this game. And Loughborough hadn't won heading into this game as well, so... A massive win for them, but also Gloucester Hartbury going two from two in pool beats its second, and then also Bristol Bears going three from sorry two from two in pool A to top that pool. And we are now joined, well, about to be joined by Bristol's Delaney Burns to kind of discuss their cup campaign so far, but also the importance of the Allianz Cup as a whole. So Delaney, thanks so much for chatting to us today. Just how are you and how have you kind of how's the recovery been since Leicester at the weekend? Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm all good. Um, done a lot of a lot of foam rolling, but um, yeah, no, now. And obviously, two from two in the cup now. Just how important is kind of gaining that momentum heading into the league season? Oh, it's been massive. I mean, um, like to start the season off by a quite convincing win against like the last year's champions. I think that's really set us up 
set us up with a lot of confidence going into, well, the rest of our cup campaign, but then certainly into our league. And obviously Leicester at the weekend, one of the new, well, Leicester we played at the weekend, one of the new sides in the league. Just how nice it's kind of get the game against them early and kind of know what they're about heading in before you head into the league season. Yeah, it was um, it was massively helpful. It kind of gives us an idea of what what they're about. They've got a lot about them, and um, I think they're going to come a long way. Like they, yeah, they they put on a lot of good displays. They showed us different pictures we're not used to. Um, but yeah, ultimately it was very helpful for us because it means we now know what to expect, and we can have a look back at that and see what we did, what what worked for us, and what didn't work so well. Obviously, prepping for Worcester this weekend, well, Warriors this weekend, just. Have you had a chance to watch watch much of them so far? Obviously, they came away with a big win last week last week against Sale. So, yeah. So um, we've had we've had a look at them. We've definitely given them the credit they deserve. They've had a really um, really good start to their cup campaign as well. And um, thing with Worcester is they're quite coherent. You know, they're all on the same page, especially with like the season they had last year. Um, so they've they've got a real drive about them. But um, yeah, we've 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 given them we've given them the time of day and and had had that sort of look at them. But we, I think, our biggest focus is um, on us and what what we can bring. And how important do you think the cup is, kind of, for the breeding ground for future Bristol Bears, future Red Roses, heading into kind of twenty twenty five World Cup and beyond? Yeah, I know cup is massive. Like it gives it gives those players that don't necessarily get as much time in the prem. Obviously, with um, the internationals coming back in um some of those girls won't get as much game time but i think it's 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 massive it gives us a real sense of like you know um what the prem is like and what what like life is going to be like when you start to break through into that like um premiership premiership squad um like yeah it's just really good and um i think our rotation has been really good this year like it just i feel like at Bears, it definitely feels like we've got a lot of we've got a lot of depth. Like we we work so hard to make sure people get the swap ins they need and everyone's got the knowledge they need and everyone's at the same level so that it doesn't matter whether the internationals were in or not. We could we could put out a a team, we could put out twenty three and be confident that they are gonna win. I think your kind of pathway to the first team at Bristol was the Dev League when that was a thing. So do you think the cup is kind of a better kind of pathway than what the development league was. Um, so I got um when I first joined joined Bears, I only actually played one development league game, and then I got injured, and COVID happened, and then they took the dev league away. Um, but I from from what I saw of the dev league, I think it was a massive massive benefit to be able to get those get those girls because then you're you're playing the shape that you know that Premiership side would see repeatedly you're still in like integrated with those those premiership players and I think it was it was really good because then it was quite a smooth transition um I think that the cup is really good it's just there's an issue with like it's so long between the two that a lot of those players might either not see game time or they'll be getting game time with championship sides and it's not obviously the same shape and stuff so there starts to become there's a bit of um like knowledge barriers and stuff but other than that I do think the cup is a really really good solid it's better than but yeah in a more positive note just who's kind of impressed you from Bears so far kind of who's come into the side and maybe not seen much game time before um that is an excellent question gotta go think I think off the top of my head in terms of who's impressed me um I think Renika Bonner has had an absolute stormer to start off with. Um, just 
Like you can see where she's really worked hard in her preseason in terms of like her step, her fence, that sort of thing. Like I think she's done really well. It's really nice to see um, Jenny Hesketh back in our squad, Grace Crompton, um, Meg Varley's come in, and I think she's she's had a, done a number on that shirt. And um, yeah, just there's quite a quite a few. Uh, um, Eleanor Grelly actually really good. Like didn't see as much game time last season just due to injury, and she's come in and she's had an absolute stormer as well, kicking which obviously you don't see too often. You don't see eights kicking that much. But, um, yeah, those sorts of players have just come in and, and absolutely smashed it so far. So you mentioned uh, kicking back row there. That's kind of what's going to be my final question. Just have you ever fancied yourself as a goal kicker? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I'm i constant battle with Tom Luke he doesn't believe me. Um, I used to, when I was at uh, Dorchester back in the day, that used to be my thing. I used to do the little restarts and stuff. Um but having said that, Tom Luke's also seen me try and take a penalty and he's just not convinced. So it's not happening anytime soon. So first of all, thank you so much for chatting to us this evening. Just um, can you please just quickly just introduce yourself and just kind of your role within Hartbury as well? Yeah, of course. My name's Abby Lee Priestnell. Um, I play 12 for Hartbury Bucks. Um I'm a co-captain with, it's me and Evie, who I believe you spoke to before as well. Yeah, perfect. So obviously um, you don't have a game this weekend in the Women's National League week off, but um, one one loss one so far. Just how would you kind of sum up the season so far in the league for yourselves? Yeah, so far it's been really good. I think we've been working really hard on our team. Um, team bonding, I think, is really helping all the socials. Obviously, I feel like you play better when you get, all get along well. So, yeah, it's going really great so far. Training hard, it's intense, but I think it's needed with the competition we've got. And just how important is this Bucks League? Obviously, if you look at Gloucester Hartbury's side and then even further ahead, you look at the England side, people like Sophie Bridget, Emma Singh, who were playing for England at the weekend, they've both recently played in this Hartbury side. So just how important is Bucks? I think, obviously, myself being at Hartbury, this is my fifth year now, I've loved... I've loved playing the books. It's it's such a competitive competition. And I think obviously it's a bit of fun as well. But looking at obviously at the pathway we've got, um, and obviously again, Sophie Bridger starting with books and making it to the England now. And Emma saying, like, you just look at it and think it's such a good pathway and it's such a good place to start. And so how did you end up at Hartbury and then kind of what was your journey to Hartbury? Um, I went to college at Hartbury. So I started very young and I've always I rugby when I was about 13 years old. Um and my friend was going to Hartbury and so I looked into it because obviously I knew the rugby was good there. So I went to college for the two years. Obviously, second year for me was COVID time. So that kind of hit a bit with obviously playing rugby, so didn't get as much rugby as I'd like, but still really enjoyed it and obviously got on really well with the coaches. And sometimes it's nice to stick with what you know and who you know as well. So obviously knowing obviously about books and the competition, the great competition they've had as well, really kind of made, made the decision easy to come to Hartbury University as well. And so was it the first year, was it your first year when you won the books final at Six Ways? Was that your first uni year of books? Yes, yeah. uni, yeah. So obviously going from being a first year and managing to be in the first team for and playing with books um, and then making it to the final was such an experience. And then going back to back as well with winning last year, just what was that experience like? 
yeah, again, obviously from first year, we had high standards from everyone. Obviously, the freshers coming in, we had great standard of, we had great standards. So I think that we kind of like forced them. This is where we want to be again. This is what we want to do. We want to make it to the final again. I think obviously having people that have been there and done it kind of helps the standards of what we need and what we want to get to our final again. What do you think it is about Harper that people kind of stay there so long? I think it's so widely talked about the how many people do go to college there, go to university there and stay on to play for Gloucester Hartbridge. What do you think it is about the place that keeps people there for so long? I think it's the pathway. The pathway is such, it's a great, you can get seen from all areas. Um, starting off college, obviously, again, the coaches are new, uh, seen around Hartbury, again, really nice, really friendly. I just got on with everyone. It was like, it's a bit of like a family, like you, and especially you go to college of people who are also staying on with Hartbury University. So obviously you go there knowing a few other people, so you're, you're kind of more confident in yourself as well going into it. And obviously the books team has had a lot of the Gloucester Hartbury players as coaches. I think last year it was Mo, Maud yeah. and Bethan last year? Or was that yeah, Bethan the year before? Um, okay, and obviously I think Mo stepped away this year. So who's kind of, is there anybody from Gloucester Hartbury still doing that this year? Yeah, so we've got Andrew Ford, who obviously coaches mm. Gloucester Hartbury as well. So it's great to have his knowledge. It's good that Mo's took a step back. Obviously, she was a great coach and such an inspirational coach to have. Obviously, she's been through it all, so she's no she knows what it's like. So I guess that was it was such a great thing to have her as a coach. So it was unfortunate we had obviously Mo's took a step um took a step back. But Fordy, he's a great coach, and I think we'll really strive with him as a coach as well. And kind of just looking at the league as a wider perspective, obviously Cardiff Met are currently top of the league, but you have just come away from beating them. So just what are they like as a side face? I think there's so much kind of strength in their side from Wales into 20s coming through as well. Yeah, they're such a strong, strong side. Obviously, it's always hard going Cardiff Met away. Their supporters are great as well. And I think they've always, it's always a physical game with Cardiff Met. It's always very physical. They've, their defence is really good. So, Obviously, we played with them, against them, and we should have scored a few more tries than we did, but because their defence was just outstanding, it was hard for us to get over that line. They made it hard for us. And obviously, it was extra the week before, kind of. Do you think losing to them was kind of a bit of revenge for themselves for the final where you beat them at Stonex? Yeah, they, we said from the start they're going to come at us and want to prove to them that, obviously, just because we beat them, in the final does it mean we're going to beat them again I think they came really strong and it was a great it was a great game of rugby I think we all showed of what we showed what we've been training pre-season and it, it was great but it was obviously an unfortunate loss um they picked up on our mistakes they really turned it around for themselves in the second especially in the second half and obviously Cardiff University next in a couple of weeks I think next week just how do you yeah. how are you kind of prepping for that game what is your kind of weekly structure in terms of training and analysis look like? Um, we've got an analysis session tomorrow to look at through, obviously, the past game and how we're going to defend against um, Cardiff in a few weeks. Um, I think we're just, obviously, they're new to the league, but we're not stopping that get to our heads at all. Obviously, it doesn't means they're just as good as us. It doesn't mean anything. So I feel like going into it, we've still got to put in a good show and make sure our attack is great and we kind of we just defend as well defend well 
What was what would a typical week look like for you? Obviously, there's no game day this week, but if there was a game day, what would a typical week look like for you? So Monday, early morning training around, we get into about quarter to eight, train till um, nine, and then we have gym. Um, training on the Monday is usually the contact area. Um, and then Tuesday, team run in the morning as well. Uh, Wednesday, play. And then Thursday, we've got our recovery day. So we've got ice baths and yoga that we do. Um, and then Friday, back to early morning. We have gym at eight and then out on the pitch at nine. So it's kind of just very much as a much of a full time environment you can get without while being a university student at the same time. Then yeah, we also have remote conditioning on the weekends to obviously keep the fitness levels up. Mm-hmm. And just what are your aims for this Hartbury side this season, but also for yourself personally? Um, for myself, I believe that I just need more confidence. And I just need to go into it with like little mistakes they don't matter they just pick yourself up and just move on and get to the next job um as a team I think we just need to again I think we need to not let the mistakes like stop us just pick again pick head up heads up and get on with it and obviously everyone's going to make mistakes it's going to happen I think I think we do drop our heads down a bit when we get when we do make some mistakes so I think that we need to really focus on not doing but I think we're we're a strong side and we've got great freshers coming up. Um, and obviously they played Exeter and Cardiff Matt. They've really helped um our first two game and I think we've got some great talent with us this season. Perfect. Just great thank you so much for chatting to us today and best of luck for the rest of the season. Thank you. So thank you both for chatting to me today. Just first of all, can you just briefly introduce yourself and kind of what your role is within Kenilworth? Uh, so I'm Flick. I'm the uh, captain of Kenilworth women's team. Um, I play mostly centre nowadays, a bit of a back of all trades. Uh, I'm Jordan. Uh, so I'm the uh, assistant head coach for Kenilworth women. So I have to have backs in the tack. And kind of just the reason we're talking to you today, obviously you had a massive win at the weekend against Worcester. Just how important was that for you to kind of kickstart this season um oh it was such a good feeling there's such a great vibe in the team at the moment um what was really what felt really good so the weekend before we weren't particularly happy with ourselves and the performance we put out but we kind of felt like we were just one or two percent although the the scoreline was very was you know heavily against us we felt like actually we were sort of one or two percent away from it being very different and then we worked all week on went back to our patterns and our basics because we're playing a completely different style of play this season and we went back to it all and then I felt like on, on Sunday finally it just starts to really click together we stuck to our game plan um, and that's what felt really good about the win was that it was because we did we stuck to our structures we did everything the way that hopefully the coaches have been telling us to do it and uh, that felt really rewarding. Yeah, I think it's hard as well because like we've come in as a, a relatively new coaching team. So you know, when there's a lot of changes, I think for the players, it can be a little bit unsettling in terms of what they're used to and, and a new way of playing. And like sometimes those results can just help just help the players just feel a little bit more confident in what they're doing. Um, you know, like the the sale game, especially like last last week, I think, like I said, we, we were playing the kind of the way we wanted to play and just that one, two percent. Like when we were able to kind of play the way we wanted to get on top of Worcester and like the players actually felt that kind of work for them I think it's really helped kick on we've had a great session tonight on the back of that as well 
you mentioned you were training tonight, but just what's like a typical training week look like for yourselves? You uh, so we're Tuesday, Thursday. Um, so we've got an hour and a half each night with the with the group, and it can vary week to week. Um, and a like, week like this week, actually, it's a, it's a totally different week for us this week. We've got an open session on Thursday, so um, we're trying to bring a you know promote what we're doing and, and attract some new players with the the kind of latest round of Inner Warrior campaign. Uh, for us, the typical week would be kind of Tuesday if we're going to get any collision work done. We'll get through that on a Tuesday, kind of probably a more intense session, uh, probably like the, the hard work's done on the Tuesday. And then Thursday could be a little bit of fine tuning if we're going into a game weekend. And um, if we've not, like we're, you know, we're not in a game week for our first team this week, it could be just a chance to throw the ball about and try a few new things for the coaches to introduce some new concepts. Never want to do that two days before a game um, and put people off. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> see how quickly we can learn. Um, but no, it's been good. It's, it's hopefully, you know, we, we've mixed training up a little bit this year to, to I think what the players have done before and um, kind of allow the players to just kind of explore some of the stuff that we're trying to do really. So I, I hope, you know, the numbers have been good. So hopefully the players seem to be enjoying it and hope that continues. I think the championship, as you'll probably admit, there's a player and coaching league is a very strange league at times with the amount of people kind of bouncing down from the PWR. Just how enjoyable is it, though, for a player and a coach playing in such a competitive league? Very. Um, it feels hard at times, um, but it you feel like, I mean, obviously the last sort of few seasons, there's probably been the sort of top three-ish teams and then quite a big gap and then the rest of them, but still within the rest, still you can, even those top three, you can still try and work to get sort of a bonus point here and they, and they become really crucial because I'm pretty sure at the last, before our last game last season, depending on how results went we could have finished I think six places above or below where we were or something ridiculous like that which just shows how competitive that is what's really good this season is that it's even we don't it doesn't even seem that divide doesn't seem to be quite as big either it's like competitive people are taking points off everybody which is really exciting to be a part of um and yeah like you say it's just it's a massive step up and you see a lot of players come from the lower leagues and come up and you think gosh all of a sudden there's just that much more width on the ball that much, the skills are just that much higher and it just you feel like you're constantly being pushed and you can never there's no easy game there's no easy moment in a game and that's really really exciting as a player I think yeah and, and just to add to that I think like the nature of of being that have those relationships with the PWR teams like really adds I think to both the player and the coaching experience so you know like where you know there's not a loan system like these guys can just come and can drop in drop out Kind of within within reason and I think it adds to like our players as well and, and other players in the league that you get to play against and with kind of people who are training and playing with ultimately like full-time professionals you know within the league and then they bring that experience to your team and that kind of raises the level so you've got some really I know us for example we've got a real mix haven't we of, of players who are have played locally at, at other levels and want to test themselves at championship and then all of a sudden they're not just testing themselves against people who've always been at Kenilworth but they're play, testing themselves against players who are potentially you know starting in the PWR this season so I think that must be really exciting for a player it's definitely exciting for me as a coach to work with such a range of players. You mentioned that link up the teams have with PWR teams. Obviously, Cheltenham have got Gloucester Hartbury, um, Westport Leeds of Sale, 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 Eight Six One of Sale, and obviously yourselves have Leicester. Just how did that kind of come about over the summer? You can take that one. Uh, so um, I think um, I, I think it's sensible for every PWR team to to identify at least one 
club in the championship to partner with. Obviously, squad depth is massively important for them. Um, and obviously, it's mutually beneficial, really, if you get it right, isn't it? That kind of there's access to, to better players, potentially some aspirational players that that we have might start to think, oh, actually, like there's an opportunity for me there. So um, I think it was a, a bit of a meeting of minds between Candleworth as a club who wanted to be, you know, we never had that link with a club previously. Um, and Tigers obviously been new to the, the competition this season. We're kind of looking to say, you know, who's, who's out there that's that's suitable for us. And I think there's a combination of factors in there, like from geographic like from geography and, and how close that is for, for players, um, through to kind of the, the coaches and, and getting the right people both sides of the of the table. So there's a lot I think there's a lot of conversations towards the, the end of last season. Um you know, we need the buy-in from from our players as well to understand how the process is going to work. And it's got to be something that works for them and hopefully it's something that works for Leicester as well. Um, and I think we're in an interesting period with the Prem Cup and WXV and internationals away and that's already testing squad depth and I think it's a relationship that's just going to continue to evolve hopefully um, you know we've had Louisa Bergham play for us for the last couple of weeks and you know she's she really kind of bedded in nicely she, in the squad and scored her first try for us on the on the weekend so um, the first of a few potentially I think Yeah obviously you kind of touched on that competitiveness of the league, anyone can be anyone, obviously. Cheltenham and Leicester kind of run away last year with Worcester up there with them as well. But only you can see at the start of the season, yourselves beating Worcester, West Park beating Cheltenham. Just how or what kind of, of your aims are this season as a squad? Uh, so we actually sat down at the very beginning of this season and we have, because um, as Jordan said, we've got brand new coaches. Um, we've got a ridiculous coaching setup. We've got five coaches. that It's amazing. Um, but we wanted to come up we had to have this new sort of way of playing and we wanted we have a three season plan for where we want that to go and to be honest the first season is all about bedding in that new way of playing and growing the team seeing how the relationship goes with Leicester Tigers and we we know in our minds where we want to kind of where we want to place but the priority is staying in the league but to be honest every game i if you know, I, I back us every time. If you know what I mean, We're, every game we're going into it trying to take points away. We're not really too focused about where we end up in the league. It's about focusing on our structures, playing that new way, and we trust in the fact that if we just focus on that, then everything else will just sort itself out. And that's our first season. Then, as the next sort of season goes, next season goes, then that's when we start to build. The other thing is we want next this, to build up a second team, and then next season get that into a league. So those are our two sort of main priorities, really, at the moment. I think. Yeah, and it's probably hard at the start of the season to to really understand where you want to finish. So, like you said, there was those teams that ran away with it over the last couple of years. Um, the makeup of those teams has has you know undoubtedly changed over the summer. So I guess it's quite hard to kind of gauge where you think you might end up. So you know we have gone down a bit more of a process uh route about how we can develop the way we play about how we bring more players into the squad um and even the simple stuff like we've had a full squad every week you know we've had seven uh subs on the on the bench and they've all made huge impacts every single sorry impact players had seven (laughs) impact players every every week and like even you know this weekend against Worcester I think there's three or four guys to, to replace with and I think our fresher legs definitely like helped and you know they're all guys that could all be starting every week and I think that's really exciting um and actually our players kind of missing out on a game for the last couple of weeks because of the numbers have been so good and it's a competition is there and that's going to keep driving performance so I think the, I think it's exciting to where we could go as a team and just finally before I let you go and enjoy the rest of your evening you mentioned your open training session on Thursday just 
how would you kind of sum up or summarise what Kenilworth is for someone potentially joining the club? Um, so I'd never played rugby before. I'd ne- barely touched a rugby ball before I started playing for Kenilworth. Um, and I was lucky I started when the pretty much the, in our first ever season as a team. Um, and now, you know, playing one league below the premiership. And I always, always want the team, this team to be as competitive as possible, but still is always that home for someone who's never picked up a rugby ball as well. So whether it, and genuinely, we've we've got so many good friends. I've met some of my best friends through this team. We've got a really, really good atmosphere at the club and at the, within the team and in the club generally, everyone genuinely gets on really well. And always at the end of a game, even, you know, in the past when we've had some really bad losses, We've always said we'd rather play for this team than any other because everyone supports each other, everyone pushes each other, everyone wants the best for each other. So one of our new players said to me the other day, it's a real women empowering women environment, which was like the music to my ears. Um, and that's that's what I think is what we have. We're com- yeah, we're competitive, we want to win, but also the main thing is we go out, we enjoy it, we support each other. And whether you're you've played for years or you've never played before, in my opinion, I'm very biased, but this is the place to be. <laughs> And I think that's the beauty. I flicked touched on it earlier. We've got you know five, uh, five coaches of, of all. I'm not going to talk about myself as being that great a coach, but like the other four, the other four are amazing. Really, really good coaches. To, I, I love coaching with them, and and they give the players so much, and everything is putting the players first. And like Flick said, whether you picked the ball up before or, or you know you've never even thought about playing rugby, like we've been able to really help players kick on and progress and learn the game and and find a home for. For you know themselves socially and competitively here at, at Ken's. Perfect. Both thank you so much for chatting to me today and best of luck with the rest of the season.